You can try it first. Okay. <laughs> You're listening to the pause button 2.0. I'm Anita Brown. And I'm Jill Johns. And we're here to upgrade your self-care. So you're a little bit robotic. I am? No. Slightly every now and then. Maybe it's the Uh, weather. Is it kind of crappy weather where you are? Just a little drizzle. That's how it is here. I am. I'm full barred up. And I'm in my usual spot. All right. Well, maybe it's me. Well, that'll just mean you have to talk the whole time. And I'll just... Oh, God. I'm not ready for that. (laughs) (sighs) What do you want to talk about today? Uh, so are we talking about our, um, fake orgasm life? Yeah. Let's talk about our fake orgasm life. Mm. Where do we begin? Well, this is a concept that you established. Mm. And then I was like, this is awesome. Hmm. So, so do you want to talk about you? I guess I can try to remember how to get there. So, um, I am soon to be 45 and I would, so where it started with you, we got, you got to the fake orgasm part. I need to preface with, I started with, I felt like I was missing some razzle dazzle. So we, I was just remarking how I feel like, I don't know if it's the chapter of my life or if it's just where I am currently on my emotional growth journey, but I am bored. And I shouldn't be bored because things are going well and there are lots of amazing things on my to-do list that are happening and um, everyone is doing fine and healthy and whatever. And I am overcome since Christmas break got over. I have been overcome with this total feeling of being underwhelmed by life, like it's boring to me. There's nothing exciting. I like adventure and I like exploration. And I feel like my life is just a whole bunch of Groundhog Day where it's like every day the alarm goes off at 4.50 and then more or less the exact same thing happens throughout my day. And I'm really bored. And so you know, so for me, it's like talking with my therapist and talking with you and talking with other people about, you know, what is this? What does this mean? What does it look like? Why is it happening? What can I do about it? Is it in my, is it in me? Is it in my life? You know, all those things where it's like, is it just about my outlook? Like, should I just be accepting that this is what life is? And then I get into a little bit of an existential crisis of, oh, God, is this what life is? Like, really? Um, and so I think over the course of having a conversation with you about it, it was like the the term that we coined was it's like a fake orgasm life. It's like you're in bed and you're having sex and you're pretending to like it and you pretend to have an orgasm so that everybody around you thinks that they did a good job or that it was fulfilling to you. But in your mind and in your heart, 
you know the difference between a fake orgasm and a real orgasm. And so my life right now, as we speak, is very much a fake orgasm life. I don't remember being the one that coined that. I think you did. What? I think, so I said an orgasmless life, and then you brought in the fake orgasm piece, and that's when it, like, hit, and it was like, yes, that's what it is, because it's like, I'm actually pretending to have the orgasm, and I'm actually, like, having the sex, Um, but it's just not quite fulfilling. This is going to be one of those conversations where, like, this this is ongoing, so it's like we don't have a solution for anybody. Mm Mm-mm. We just have a, hey, do you feel like you're faking your orgasm life? Well, and so I brought it up to Ken this weekend. It was like, um, you see, this is where you should be so proud of me because we say that I don't have like good conversations with my husband, but I actually really do. Um, So here was an example of it where it was like, I'm not picking a fight and this has nothing to do with you. And it's not about something that you're doing wrong or need to do differently or whatever. Um, But I am just like, bored I didn't use the fake orgasm terminology with him just because it didn't feel appropriate (laughs) Um, so I stayed away from that um however you know like so even for him he was like what do you mean he's like he basically was like you have life served up on a silver platter for you and you're so lucky that you're getting to pursue all of the things that you want to pursue and like there was a like he didn't mean it in a mean way but he was like like almost like I was being ungrateful for the opportunities that I have. And it's like, that's why I said, it's like on, on paper, you know, with, when you list it all out and say all the things, it's like, yeah, this should be really, really satisfying. And I should be really feel really fortunate that I have all the things that I have and I'm so privileged and yada, yada. But it's like, I can't, that's like intellectualizing what's going on. And it's like the internalized piece. It's like that inner fire, passion, sizzle, like whatever those words are supposed to be, like are not in there. So it's like a very like plain vanilla feeling on the inside where it might like look razzle dazzle on the outside or to other people, but like inside it's like hollow. So I don't feel, I feel like I've definitely felt like that in the past and I can kind of point to like what has brought back my razzle dazzle or like helped me like live a full on real orgasm life. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know if that's like helpful. Like, I guess yeah. I'm wondering what, where do you want this conversation to go today? I don't know. I think it was just one of those where it's like, it was kind of such a big like aha. And then, you know, we well, articulated. Was, well, because when we were talking about it, it, it really goes back to also like the people pleasing. Mm-hmm. So I guess like in a way we can talk about um, just kind of on the outskirts of like, this is, this is a thing. Hey, do you feel like this? And oh, Hey, I remembered how we got to it. Duh. My therapist asked me basically what I was doing. Oh, can I back up? Okay. Like I'm yeah. totally like remembering how we got here. So over the Christmas break, I was observing family dynamics and a couple of my childhood emotional neglect things really like came to the surface basically about how um, I was raised in a perfectionist home. And so there was an expectation that perfect was the only thing you could do and that mistakes were very slightly tolerated. Um, 
and I was talking to my therapist about that. And then I was realizing that I do that around the house as well. So it's like, I'm trying to be a perfectionist wife and mom. And so it was things like, this is what I was saying to my therapist. It's like, I never want the groceries to be empty for certain things that I know that people in my house eat. Cause I always want them to be able to go to the cupboard and open the door. And like, there's this thing. And I know that you and I have talked about that and you're like, yeah, no, like if they run out of a thing, I just wait till I'm going to the grocery store and buy it where I get like all people pleasy crazy. And I'm like, I have to go to the grocery store seven times a week because every day I can't have anything where like somebody might need something and it not be there. And so my therapist was asking me to write down all the times that I was like, basically that I was people pleasing or bending over backwards or trying to make sure that like my life was in perfect form for other people. And that's when I had the aha of like, oh my God, like I spend so much of my time and energy and effort looking externally at what all these people in my home need all the time. So much so that it's like, to such a degree, I have completely like, forgotten like what I actually like you know and I'm like not doing the things for me I'm doing the things for all the other people and so yes that's how we got to the people pleasing side because it was like yes like having been a product of a perfectionist home and then being married to a perfectionist and creating the perfectionist mom persona I have completely become a people pleaser and forgotten what I actually like and want. And that that's where my razzle dazzle has gone. Uh-huh. Yes. And, and then the fake orgasm of just like pleasing yes. a person who's like, obviously wanting you to be enjoying whatever they're giving you. And yeah, it's and I, not. Yeah. And like, I'm supposed to be so excited about the fact that I get to keep the cupboards full. When in reality, right. that doesn't fulfill me at all. And that's the total fake orgasm thing. Like it actually doesn't really give me an orgasm to go make sure that people have all their groceries in the cupboard. It just is stressful for me and feels like a must do. And it's like in all of these things that I've constantly been doing for all these other people for so long, it's like, I've actually forgotten what I like, like what is interesting to me or what, what do I prefer? Cause I'm spending too much of my time trying to make sure that everybody else is catered to. And so that was her, that was her challenge to me was could you pick a thing that actually doesn't make you feel good and you're just doing it out of people pleasing and then stop doing that thing? And like, I had a total like nervous sweat moment where it was like, what do you mean? I, you mean, you mean I just like stop getting up and making my husband a cup of coffee at five o'clock in the morning? Like what, (laughs) you know? Um, so, yeah, so I'm just in that phase right now of deconstructing all of that and then reconstructing something that will allow me to feel razzle-dazzle and so for my orgasms to be real. And so, yes, I do want insight from you because you are my mentor on this journey. I feel like you just said all the things that I would have said, though, because that is pretty much like like I'm still investigating and exploring all the ways that I'm a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like I'm people pleasing to that extent. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it has been like letting go of that level of like people are expecting me to be a certain way or act a certain way or say things or whatever. And I'm just like letting go of that expectation. And then also and I, like not having that expectation for myself anymore. Well, and so I think that that's what I was telling my therapist, that it's such a hard thing. It's like so much of this stuff has just become ingrained in like, that's just what I do. 
to the point where it's like taking the time and actually analyzing it's like we have that as an exercise in our upgrader workshop where it's like mm-hmm. what are all the lists of the things that you like to do and what are what's the list of the things that you don't like to do and then challenge yourself to stop doing some of the things that you don't like to do and that's really what I'm trying to practice right now but it's like my brain is such a clusterfuck of like well, well do I like getting up then and doing that or don't I like for real like really really for real do I really like it or do I really not like it? And I don't even really know. (laughs) Oh, I know. That is so hard for me too. There was a time when I felt like I didn't even know who I was anymore. Like I didn't know, like, do I really like this music that Scott likes to listen to? Do I really want to go to these concerts and have a good time with him that he likes? And otherwise, like I probably never would have heard of these bands and never would have tried to go to these concerts or whatever. And, um, like, and then a host of stuff, like mm-hmm. down to like, do I really like the sex that we're having? Or is it like, because I wanted to please him. And so I'm finding my, finding a way to enjoy what we're doing. Do mm-hmm. I really want to watch these movies that he's wanting? Because when it come down to it, like I would want to watch a movie and invite him to watch it and he wouldn't want to watch it. And so I'd be like, okay, so basically it kind of felt like sometimes in order to watch a movie with him, we had to watch one that he wanted to watch. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't mind watching. Like that's what our life ended up feeling like to me a lot of like, he's the one that really has the, the inflexibility. Mm -hmm. And so I need to be the more flexible one Mm -hmm. and find my pleasure in whatever he's offering. Well, and sometimes I'm even like, I don't really care. I don't care what movie we watch. So yeah, sure. Fine. Just pay. like it. Like, so I noticed that with myself with like watching Netflix where it's like, I have a whole bunch of shows that I watch when I'm home alone. And then there's like the pile of stuff that like we watch when we're both together, you know? And it's like, is so where my brain is like messed up, it's like, okay, so I know clearly what I like by myself when I'm home alone and it's just me picking. And like, there's a very clear genre and type that I like. I like character development and I like intricate relationships and I like, like almost like could be reality, but it's a little bit of fiction. Like I like those kind of things. And then Ken likes the more like action adventure, like, like, superhero those types of things and it's like I don't think I mind watching those so I do when we're together but I know for sure that he doesn't like the character development ones so it's like the character development ones are never on the plate when we're together he always has the action adventure when he's alone but then when we're together we also do the action adventure because I'm more tolerant or flexible or I really don't care you know and that's where it's like my brain starts to get into the like well what do I really like (laughs) you know I'm not even sure yeah yeah it's a long it's a long um exploration of what you do and what you don't like and then and then what's an emotional deposit and what's not and is he giving you enough and if he are you giving enough and mm-hmm. and all that in order to like start feeling like you're like having the orgasms you want to be having the way you want to be having them mm-hmm. with life exactly and I think it's like I'm liking being in this chapter, you know, so it sounds like a weird chapter to be in, but it's like we talk about all the time. Self-awareness is like step number one. So it was almost like I didn't realize, like I 
I understood again, like intellectually what people pleasing was like, I understand the concept and I understand it intellectually, but now I'm getting a chance to like internalize and kind of deconstruct what people pleasing actually feels like and how we get to that point or whatever. And right now I'm in the pure like self-awareness phase. And I, it's like for all of the topics that we talk about, it's like, as soon as I get the self-awareness, it's like, Ooh, now what's going to happen? You know? So it's Mm -hmm. like right now I'm in this, Ooh, now what's going to happen part of this realizing that like, I am people pleasing. I feel like I have put my own needs or interests on the back burner. Don't know if it's always a bad thing needing to discern like what really does work for me and then figuring out how to like fold that into the dynamic of our lives, you know? So we had this conversation like about a week ago, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so the initial thing of like, you can, you kind of become self-aware of something. So in your therapist's office, you're self-aware, you're telling her a thing and then she's offering you a challenge of like, what if you stopped doing mm-hmm. a thing that you don't, you don't necessarily like totally enjoy. And, and then it's like a freak out moment of, <laughs> of thinking like, what, like, what if I do stop? Like, the world, like the initial thought is like how much the world is going to totally fall apart if you're not doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Or like if you, you can't even fathom like how other people are going to adjust or how they're going to still like you or like, I don't know, like that's that's kind of the feeling I would end up getting is like how just the awful disappointment that I'm going to be creating and being so selfish or whatever. I mean, like all the Mm -hmm. things that like make me so afraid of just figuring out what I like and doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, That is like, like self-awareness and then this fear. And then, so I'm wondering like how long was your, how long did that fear kind of linger? Is it still kind of lingering? Because now (laughs) what I'm hearing is that you're interested, you're curious Well, so the day that it happened at therapy, I like cried, like if I was awake for 18 hours that day, you know, I probably cried for like 10 hours of that day. Um, Because it was like, fucking a like, what does this really even mean? And like, have I been a fraud? And am I faking life? And what does any of this mean? And it's like, I get into these like really head, heady, like existential things where it's like what the fuck's the point of all of this and like really and and so it's like I go there and then um and so then after I kind of had like my big cry then I was doing a ton of journaling it's like anytime a thought would pop into my head or like when I would think about like well why all of a sudden am I crying like what's the thought that I'm thinking behind these tears or whatever and I um one of the ways I deconstructed it was like So I do these things to show my love for people. And what I hope it's doing is giving them a reason to love me. And then I hope that they're extending love to me, right? So it's kind of this like, it's like this emotional currency where I'm thinking like, okay, if I do this nice thing to show them that I love them, they in turn will internalize my love and then they in turn will reflect this love back to me. And what I was realizing and where like so many of my tears were coming from was realizing that like I was doing a whole bunch of things for a whole bunch of people and I wasn't really feeling their love reflected back to me. 
And so it was like, oh, God, wow, like I'm doing these things. I'm making sure like my kids always have groceries for their lunch boxes and whatever. And it's like and I'm doing that because I love them. And I'm also kind of doing it because I want them to love me back. And, oh, God, they're not loving me back. So what's the point of me making sure that the groceries are always there? Right. Mm -hmm. So then like from there, I was like really deconstructing like transactional love. And it was like or. I could just love myself and I could also just expect to like be loved by people without it being transactional. And like that caused a whole bunch of tears for a while. Cause it was like realizing that through my childhood, it's like, if I do right, if I perform right, if I say the right things, if I look the right way, if I do all the things the right way, then maybe they'll love me enough, you know? And so it's like, I am having to do the work about, just like me just being me is enough just to be loved without it having to be transactional and then like that step further where it's like instead of needing it from somebody outside it's like I can I just love me just the way I am you know like without having to worry so like that's that's where if we're talking like balloons and feathers you know it's like the like granular stuff on the ground is like I'm buying groceries because I want my kids to see that I love them. And in turn, I want them to love me and whatever. But it's like, when I follow the string up to the balloon, it's really just about like, love and being love and receiving love and just love as a concept, you know. Um, And so that's where I'm doing the work. So then it's like, so when I can have the conversation with Ken or whoever about like, this whole process that I'm deconstructing, it can be spoken about in like a non fighting or a non like judgmental way because it's just like I'm just exploring the concept of like love of being love giving love receiving love and not having it be transactional you know and it's just like a big it feels like a big growth step and it feels like a big wound that I'm having to put salve on and it feels like one of those big clearing things that has to happen as I'm like rebuilding this new version of myself and so it's just about love at the end of the day for me oh god you're figuring out a lot of stuff it's so wonderful you're gonna come (laughs) out of this like a completely new person yeah I feel um I do feel that whole like holy shit like what does any of this even mean and oh my god what's it gonna look like on the other side and like am I like am I drilling holes in my boat you know and all that kind of stuff but it's also like no it's like it feels good to be clear about what these things are and it feels good to be able to articulate it. And it feels good to be able to hold myself in a space of, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how this is going to unfold, but I know that I'm like, I know that I'm like digging these things up that have been buried and I'm looking at them and trying to figure out how to do them differently going forward. I want to, um, just in case we have new listeners on this episode who have never listened to us before, I want them to know that the balloons and feathers conversation is a really good one. Mm-hmm. And it makes more sense if you actually know what the fuck we're talking about. But it is coming <laughs> from season two, episode four and five. Mm-hmm. And so that's the whole balloons and feathers conversation. It comes up a lot in our conversations. So mm-hmm. those are two important episodes to listen to. Um Jill, I, I mean, I can I can only tell you that I have gone through at least a cycle of this process, and 
And there on the other side is freedom and mm-hmm. a deeper sense of connection to self. Right. And, um, and then I'm, I still go through this, the process and in cycles, you know, and if we're on like a, a, one of those, like when you put the coin in the little like funnel thing that starts off like really big wide and then it like goes smaller, smaller, so it finally like, goes through the hole in the bottom. Like I'm just, like just cycling through this, <laughs> yeah. this thing. Right. But, um, I, so I feel like I've gotten to a point where it's like, I don't, I know that I don't need to do transactional love things. It's really mm-hmm. about emotional deposits and it's okay for me to establish, like, I don't want to do something and that shouldn't mean that they're not going to love me and all that. But I am still sometimes like floored that people like me just for me, like somehow mm-hmm. I'm offering something just by being me. Mm-hmm. That's like beneficial. And I and that's still just like, a, like that, like, I don't believe that yet. And I know I'm going to yeah. believe that by the end of this journey. And it's like, I hear what you're saying, like, because I know it because I experience it with you. It's like, I just love you just for who you are. Like, there's no need for a transaction at all. You know, it's like, so I know what that feels like on the giving end. I don't know what that feels like on like the receiving end. And that will be so crazy. I know. So here's the thing. It's like, I don't know if I really know what it, like, I keep deflecting it. Like, I, I it's like, I keep seeing it being, like, given to me. And I keep, like, kind of, like, turning, like, oh, my God, that's, I'm embarrassed. Like, I can't even hold it. You know, it's like, I keep not receiving it. That's, mm-hmm. like, embarrassed. That's part what I'm stuck in right now. It's like, I see people giving it to me. And right. it's so weird that I don't even know how to receive it. Like, right. it's weird. Um, I know. But I think that you're going through a really marvelous part of the journey. And also, I think that I guess just talking about this thing and I, I clearly when we did our upgrader course, like we know a, a lot of people are dealing with this. Mm-hmm. And so talking about it in this way and I guess dissecting it a little bit and realizing, I guess, just being in a helpful way letting everyone else know that it's like the self-awareness does not blossom into like a sudden acceptance. The (laughs) self-awareness often leads directly into like fucking panic (laughs) and a lot of crying. And then, (laughs) then hopefully with a continued, you know, continued forward motion, it also opens up to like curiosity and some, vulnerable conversations with loved ones and acceptance and feeling connected and feeling connected to self and then some greater awareness and some new new ways to be Mm. all the things I always go back to the Abraham Hicks quote of like it's not like a college degree where you get it and hang it on the wall and you have it all the time from henceforward it's like every minute every time every engagement with people is an opportunity to practice it again you know so it's like you might get it figured out with like your kids like I feel like I have it figured out with Zach and Zoe like I really truly feel in that instance I have it figured out but it's like I'm just figuring it out with Ken and I'm figuring it out with all these other people you know so it's like I I'm seeing it more as like the constant unfolding of this, you know, versus it being like, I just need to figure this thing out and then I'll have it forever. It's like, no, 
it'll just keep, it'll just keep presenting itself. And I'll just keep having to remind myself that one, I'm worthy of love, regardless of the transaction. And then two, just showing up as my authentic self and believing that that's good enough and then receiving people's love and appreciation in return without it being conditional. Yeah, I think that there's, I think I agree with you. And I think that there's, um, it's like there is a, there is a part that stays. Like once you get a thing, it stays like a college degree, but then there's always more, there's always something deeper. There's always a different layer. There's always a new thing that shows up where it's like the same stuff, mm-hmm. but you're able to maybe apply, apply your self-awareness with less fear you know, it's like going, it's like, I, in my experience anyway, it's like going through the initial process is like the scariest. Mm-hmm. And then having that level of connection and compassion and, and acceptance in your life and then really internalizing that. And then when, when it presents itself again, it's like you recognize that fear and you're like, oh, wait, I remember. Oh, well, yeah, that's right. I was scared about it and, and it turned out okay. And I just had to press on and it's easier to press on. And then so I, I feel like it's like that in my life where like a, a brand new thing is definitely scary and then it gets less scary and less intense and like an easier flow through when the deeper layers come. Yes. I love that. So I that love is, this work. So if we ever start talking about fake orgasm life, we'll have to remember this is the episode I have to name it the fake orgasm life so people know where to yes. find it. Great. I'm so Yay. glad to talk about that with you and get that out in the Me open. Too. Me too. So fun. Um, so what else? I think that people need to subscribe to our channel. I mean, to mm-hmm. our um, podcast. I agree. And mm-hmm. join our Facebook page and our community so that we can have conversations with everybody offline about what's going on in their lives. So the pause button 2.0 on Facebook and then the pause button 2.0 community on Facebook as well. Okay, Joe, I hope you have a good Sunday. Thank you, you too.